0: Governor Andrew Cuomo signed a bill this week legalizing the adult use of recreational marijuana into law, hailing it as an historic moment and saying in a statement that it, quote, writes the wrongs of the past by putting an end to harsh prison sentences and will embrace an industry that will grow the state's economy. The Legislative Gazette's Karen DeWitt reports.
1: As soon as next year, New Yorkers 21 and over will be able to buy smokable and edible forms of marijuana in retail stores. They'll also be able to sample the drug in tasting rooms similar to wine tasting venues. And they'll be able to grow at home up to six cannabis plants per person and 12 per household. Senator Liz Krueger has sponsored the bill for seven years.
2: It's a historic day for New York. I could not be more proud to cast my vote to end the failed policies of marijuana prohibition in our state and begin the process of building a fair and inclusive legal market for adult use cannabis.
1: The measure contains racial justice provisions sought by Kruger and Assembly sponsor Majority Leader Crystal People Stokes. 40 percent of the estimated 350 million dollars gained annually from a 13 percent sales tax on the drug will go to a community reinvestment fund for neighborhoods adversely impacted by the decades-long prohibition of the drug. 50 percent of the licenses to grow and sell marijuana will be reserved for people from disproportionately impacted communities and small farmers. They'll get access to capital, including loans, grants, and incubator programs to help them compete with the more established marijuana producers who will also receive licenses. Kruger says the bill creates a nation-leading model for legalization.
2: New York's program will not just talk the talk on racial justice. It will walk the walk, ending racially disparate enforcement that was endemic to prohibition, automatically expunging the records of those who were caught up in the so-called war on drugs.
1: Senator Kruger says she does not use or even really like cannabis, but she says she used marijuana as a teenager. She says because she is white, she was never arrested and it never hindered her progress in life. Senator Jabari Brisport, who is African-American, had a different experience. He says when he was 19, he was walking in Greenwich Village with a friend who was mistaken by police for a wanted drug dealer.
3: When I asked the officer to show a badge or read my friend his rights, He pulled out his gun, pointed it directly in my face, and told me to back up. So I'd like to be clear, a plainclothes police officer almost shot me in the face over weed. How many would-be future state senators have been accidental casualties of the war on drugs?
1: Opponents include Senator Fred Akshar, a Binghamton area Republican who was formerly a deputy sheriff. He says the state's 50,000 law enforcement officers were left out of crafting the bill.
0: There are stacks and stacks of memos of opposition from a whole wide spectrum and range of people who represent millions of New Yorkers.
1: He predicts there will be more traffic accidents and fatalities due to increased use of the drug. And he says there is no good existing technology to detect when a driver is impaired by cannabis.
0: I am afraid that if you're voting yes today, you are putting
1: politics before people. The bill will authorize a study to find better detection technology. Senator Andrew Lanza, a Republican from Staten Island, says the law will make the drug more appealing to children and sends the wrong message.
3: But the message clearly emanating from this room to the young people of New York is, if you want to use marijuana, do it. New York says it's all right, and my concern is that that's going to lead to high rates of cancer, brain
1: damage. Sponsors say the law will actually make it harder for underage New Yorkers to get the drug because it will be sold through licensed shops instead of the current black market. In Albany, I'm Karen DeWitt.
0: Back with us on a historic week for New York State is Dr. Lynn Porodnik, medical marijuana doctor from Westchester County area who has joined us from time to time to talk about this legislation that's been around just under a decade, basically, and a lot longer on the minds of many New Yorkers, I'm sure. Welcome back, Dr. Paradnick.
4: Thank you, David. It's a pleasure to be here, especially because things are looking good,
0: finally. Yeah, the New York State Legislature this week approving legalization of adult recreational use of marijuana. It has been hailed as an historic moment in New York. Governor Cuomo signed the bill into law. And the work of two legislators here, one from the Senate, that's Senator Liz Krueger of Manhattan, a Democrat, and the majority leader in the Assembly, Majority Leader Crystal Peoples-Stokes, a Democrat, From the Buffalo area, both passionate, one African-American, one white woman who, for similar reasons, have believed for a while that it was time to legalize marijuana in New York. Lynn, what can you tell us about what's in the legislation?
4: Okay, what I can tell you is it gets a little complicated. The medical model was based on vertical integration, which meant the dispensaries had to do everything seed to sale. The new regulations are a bit different there's specific dispensary licenses, processing license, growing license, certain things you can only get two out of the three. Um, so there's a lot, going to be a lot of play going on already in, the, in Manhattan. You see a lot of people out for dinner. I was actually a small local restaurant on the Upper East Side. The table next to me was talking about pot. The table vertically across from me it turns out is a huge investor, European guy who's here seeing what's happening with the New York So people are hyper-aware they want in. And I've seen really dramatic shifts. Yesterday, I met with a few of my recreational seller friends. Having been in this space, I get to know a variety of people. And they're actually going to be applying for a dispensary license. They're going to cross over to the other side, which is pretty exciting because historically the black market has been the pot source in New York. And the fact that some black market people are considering going legit is really, really interesting. The problems with going legit though, or the regulations are really tight to run a compliance ship is super, super expensive. So there's going to be a lot of fallout, people starting, failing, all that, but there are a lot of alliances in the air and that's when it all gets pretty interesting.
0: So, by as soon as next year, New Yorkers 21 and over will be able to buy smokable and edible forms of marijuana in retail stores. They will also be able to sample the drug in tasting rooms, similar to wine tasting venues. And they'll be able to grow at home up to six cannabis plants per person, three mature, three immature, and 12 per household. Let's pick that apart for a minute. So, let's start with these tasting rooms. Now, this is something new. I don't They're know. both <laughs> David? Yes, but they um, don't have them in Massachusetts that I know of or in the other states. I haven't seen those other than California, maybe out yeah. west. Yeah, Yes,
4: absolutely. Well, it's actually an innovative new approach. And as you can see, there's been a lot of investment from the beer sector work, uh, using infused beers. So this is a trend for the future. Uh, consumption lounges are basically bars that offer cannabis drinks, things to eat, hang out, meet your friends, get a little lit, go home, simple. And there's social places. People tend to behave, keep things smooth. So the consumption lounges are not allowed to serve alcohol as well. So that's where it gets a little interesting and it gets a whole new play. So I think life in New York will get pretty interesting. It's been predicted that this year 420 is going to be a total prohibition rollout. I mean. New York City should be pretty wild, this 420. People are happy to be out again. People are happy to be immunized. Some a little too out there and partying, but, you know, that's human
0: nature. Now let's go to the part that you and I have talked about over and over again. You know, there's this equity piece of the legislation that they want to level the playing field. And one of the ways to do that is to let people grow their own. And they did it. They put it in the legislation. Talk about that for a moment.
4: bravo. I think that is so wonderful because... One of the biggest drawbacks of the medical program is patients really can't afford this. So it's simpler for them to continue on opioids. It's much less expensive. They're paying, what, 10 cents for a pill. They buy their products. They're going to have to pay $60. So it becomes for a lot of seniors, they really can't afford to do it. So by making this accessible to everybody, you open so many doors. Patients can grow strains that they know work for them. They can work with day, night. It really, really levels the playing field in many, many ways. So I think that was a brilliant move. And the fact it's not limited to one plant, it's enough cannabis to take care of patients and fulfill their needs. Now, I know the majority of people are not going to get ready to grow their own plants, but my patient population, I have a number of people growing their own stuff. They just can't deal with going to the dispensary and paying the prices. So I think this grow your own is that's called custom medicine. And I give the state a lot of credit for that as well.
0: Now we know part of this will be and is the motivation for raising revenue and a 13% sales tax will be attached to the drug. And this is where we have a difference, right, between medical and recreational. I know at least in Massachusetts where there's a 20% tax, if you have a medical card, you don't have to pay that tax.
4: Right. So that is what's going to occur in New York. Patients who have cards will not have to pay taxes and also They're planning to roll in some more strong products. Right now, New York is pretty limited. The medical program, maximum THC dose is 5 milligrams. A typical male dose is 10 milligrams. So already we're telling people, oh, you should really only have half what your requirement is, which is ridiculous. So things are definitely looking good, David.
0: Dr. Lynn Paradnick, medical marijuana doctor and hooked into the community. You can hear it, can't you, listeners, talking with us on the Legislative Gazette. One of the other parts of this is small farmers, right, Lynn? I mean, there's another equity piece, really, if you think about it, that you can bring small farmers, and there are lots of small farmers across New York into this industry.
4: And there are a lot of small farmers dying to get into this industry. There have been a number of hemp grows. Uh, I have been working with one in Cambridge, New York, and they're having a really, really difficult time unloading their hemp from 2019 to 2020. It's a farm co-op in Cambridge, and they're sitting there with these wet bales of biomass that they need to sell and are really having a tough time moving it. And they're not alone. I've spoken with several other farm people who are sitting with their hemp in their barns, drying and have no clue what they're going to end up doing with it. So, yeah, this piece will be great. There's also talk that the first couple of years is going to be such a huge, huge shortage, the possibility of working with farms, at least initially, to give the programs a jump start. And that would be really interesting because upstate New York, where they are these hemp grows, you can do either one or two cycles of grow. So we look. We usually look at New York as like, what, this is not a place you'd grow pot. But there are areas that have beautiful soil, beautiful growing condition. And this particular area, there are a lot of uh, family farms that have been there since the Civil War. And the younger people do not want to be there. They don't want a farming life, but they would stay to grow cannabis because they understand they could suddenly have a decent life. These guys work really, really hard. And to end up just putting out and not being able to sell your product is pretty depressing.
0: Dr. Lynn Parodnik, a medical marijuana doctor. Lynn, as always, I appreciate you joining us. And I know that in the future, we'll be talking to some more experts about the issues as we begin to establish this new industry in New York.
4: Thank you, David. It's always interesting to talk with you and bring up these subjects that are really relevant to what I do. So thank you so much for giving me this time. Thank you.
0: You are listening to The Legislative Gazette, a program about New York state government and politics. I'm David Gustina. Joining us now, Legislative Gazette political observer Alan Shartok. Alan, so no budget deal by the April 1st deadline. We hear in your conversation with Jesse McKinley of The New York Times that the primary snag here is the raising of taxes.
5: Well, we always knew that. We always knew that the leaders of the Assembly and the Senate have been talking about taxes and soaking the rich without using those words. And the governor, a more moderate man, has been saying, I'm not going to raise taxes. And it was that way going into the negotiations, still apparently what the issue is. You know, Cuomo, because he's been having some very rough times, was thought to be at least quiescent, David, about this. He was going to shut up and he's going to let it happen. Well, he won't do it. I think it's a sign that he's going to run for governor another time. You know, he has been fiercely opposed to the raising of taxes. And now with the Biden administration in place, his argument is going to be, hey, we don't have to do this. Uh, We're getting all this money from the feds. Uh, Now is not the time to start raising taxes. People are having it rough and it shouldn't be done. Meantime, Hasty, the speaker, and Stuart Cousins, the majority leader, are out there reflecting the progressive nature of some of their democratic, you know, members of their conferences. And so this was, as I say, what it was going in and it's still what it is.
0: Well, just as an aside for folks who may not be aware, tell them how much the legislators, Alan, read the bills they prepare.
5: Well, most people don't read the bills, either in the Congress or the state legislature. They are prepared by staff. When I wrote my book about the Wisconsin legislature, what was different even then, New York and Wisconsin was, I was always astounded to see these legislators in Wisconsin coming in, rolling up their sleeves and doing the work. (laughs) That's something that's been unknown in New York for quite a while. People have huge staffs, and we're paying for that, whether we like it or not.
0: Well, part of that marijuana deal that was made this week to legalize adult use, Alan, included a 13% sales tax. You and I have talked about the years as New York Mm -hmm. was waiting to pass the legislation that places like Massachusetts, where you live, were getting all that revenue, those license plates from New York showing up at Massachusetts dispensaries. Now, Perhaps on purpose. The legislation has a 13 percent tax on the drug and neighboring state like Massachusetts taxes it at 20 percent. So maybe we'll start to see some Massachusetts plates over here. I doubt it.
5: You may see a few. But convenience uh, when it comes to buying, I am told. Nevertheless, uh, think about it for a second. What about this? Is this a good thing? Well, sure. It takes it out of the criminal's hands and the rest of it. Is it a potentially bad thing? Yeah. You see alcohol-related deaths all over the roads in the United States. It is something that is going to happen with marijuana, except marijuana, we're not really quite sure how to define whether somebody's been smoking or not.
0: The governor of New York, Andrew Cuomo, decided to write a book during the pandemic. Alan, you criticized that move at the time, as many others did, as Cuomo sought $4 million book deal, AIDS hid damaging death toll, says the New York Times. This is his book, American Crisis. So now we have a sense of what he was offered for this deal and the idea that, as he talked about his leadership role during a crisis, that they were busy fudging the numbers. Numbers.
6: You know,
5: David, when the governor was calling on us to talk to him, I asked him the question. I said, wasn't it a premature thing to write that book and to take that credit? And he said no, that he was just talking about leadership. But $4 million a lot of money. Legislative Gazette political
0: observer, Alan Shartoff. Listening to the Legislative Gazette, a program about New York State government and politics, I'm David Gustina. Major League Baseball opened this week, and in New York, four county executives, including two from the Hudson Valley, called on the state to expand capacity at smaller baseball stadiums. They say current restrictions on the kinds of baseball parks in their counties would amount to a summer strikeout. More from the Legislative Gazette's Allison Dunn.
6: Four county executives in New York, including two from the Hudson Valley, are calling on the state to expand capacity at smaller baseball stadiums. They say current restrictions on the kinds of baseball parks in their counties would amount to a summer strikeout. A year ago, baseball was one of many recreational casualties of the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, with more known about the virus and its spread, county leaders say their teams can take to the field safely, with rules in place for spectators. Dutchess County houses Dutchess Stadium home of the Hudson Valley Renegades this year, a New York Yankees affiliate. Avid Mets fan and Republican Dutchess County Executive Mark Molinaro says a 20% capacity limit for parks like Dutchess Stadium makes no sense. Uh, we know that in order to get uh, these uh, teams on the field and in order to make sure these businesses can survive, and they are major businesses, in order for them to survive 50% capacity uh, really is necessary. And so the current guidance uh, that's been offered just isn't enough uh, to make these successful. And uh, in our case, uh, a uh, a 5,000-person stadium, uh, we're talking 2,500 people with established safety plans. Suffolk County is home of the Long Island Ducks and Democratic County Executive Steve Ballone. He hosted a virtual press conference Tuesday saying current state guidance that allows for 20% capacity and requires mandatory testing at large-scale outdoor venues such as City Field or Yankee Stadium will not work for smaller minor league and independent stadiums like Duck Stadium. Uh, we are asking the state to uh, amend that guidance, pull out these smaller stadiums, separate them from these larger stadiums because they are different, they they are separate, uh, or they should be separate because uh, the circumstances are really uh, completely different. Completely different, he says, than from Yankee Stadium or the Mets' City Field. And the fact is, at 50% capacity, with people wearing face coverings, face masks, um, and maintaining distance between groups in an outdoor stadium, we believe that's about as safe an environment as you can be in. Democratic Broome County Executive Jason Garner wants families to be able to watch the Mets affiliate Binghamton Rumble Ponies go to bat.
3: And I'll tell you something, for a Memorial Day, for a 4th of July weekend, I'd rather have a couple thousand people out watching a Rumble Ponies game than a couple thousand people inside their houses watching TV because that's where the virus spreads.
6: And he takes the call for raising capacity one step further.
3: Let's have local control on these stadiums. I mean, I've been going to that stadium since it was uh, built in 1992. Our local health department, uh, you know, we go to that stadium. We're very aware. We watch games there. uh, We know the layout. We understand how it works. We understand how it flows. Um, I I think we are the best able to judge how many people can safely go uh, to a game.
6: Republican Rockland County Executive Ed Day says the letter he and the other county executives sent to the state makes a point that local problems require local solutions. And that
5: really has been the vexing part of trying to maneuver through this entire pandemic because that has not been the way things have been done. And we're seeing some loosening up now, and I hope that
6: continues. The Boulders play at Palisades Credit Union Park, formerly Provident Bank Park in Pomona.
5: Uh, There is no reason why you cannot have a maximum of 3,000 people in that stadium. It it is, there's so much room there. And again, it fits, it fits what we have here. Um, And that's really what it it really comes down to. At 20%, uh, frankly, it's not going to work. And we cannot have another year without baseball.
6: Meantime, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo on Tuesday announced that beginning April 2nd, Large-scale college sports venues can host spectators at 10% indoor or 20% outdoor capacity. Fans must present proof of either a negative COVID test or vaccination. For the Legislative Gazette, I'm Allison Dunn.
0: You are listening to the Legislative Gazette, a program about New York State government and politics. I'm David Gustina. A pilot reservation system is launching this spring for people who want to park at some trailheads leading to popular Adirondack High Peaks trails. The Legislative Gazette's Pat Bradley explains.
2: The Adirondack Mountain Reserve Ausable Club is a 7,000-acre private club near the Adirondack High Peaks wilderness area. An easement allows public access to specific forest preserve trailheads. On Monday, the New York State Department of Environmental Conservation and the club announced a pilot program to require reservations for parking at the club's parking lots along Route 73, where most people access the trails. Adirondack Council spokesman John Sheehan says a reservation system makes sense.
7: In order to get to the Forest Preserve, uh, about 99% get there by car. This will essentially reserve you a parking spot, one of the 70 that are located uh, at the trailheads at the Adirondack Mountain Reserve. Essentially, the parking lots themselves have been designed To a size that really is comparable to the number of people that should be allowed to recreate in there before you can expect that damage is going to occur.
2: Town of Keene supervisor Joe Pete Wilson says work has been ongoing to manage visitation to the overused areas of the park to make it safer and to avoid deterioration of the trails. The pilot is one more effort towards the management goal. There's no
3: single solution for this magnitude of, you know, visitation and the desire to protect the environment and provide a good, safe experience for visitors. You know, so the pilot reservation system is one more tool to see what happens in this really specific area and in this really stringent way, managing the number of people who can access a specific set of trailheads so, or, or mountains.
2: Wilson emphasizes that this is a short-term test of a reservation system within a conservation easement.
3: It's one set of parking lots, one road that, you know, leads through private property to multiple popular trailheads. It is not the entire High Peaks. It is not the entire Adirondack Park. It's a very focused pilot program to manage the use In a very specific area.
2: A number of efforts have been undertaken to limit overcrowding in popular areas of the Adirondack wilderness, but Sheehan says a parking reservation system hasn't been tried yet.
7: Limits is really the one thing they haven't tried yet. It requires enforcement, Uh, it takes additional personnel and additional resources, and the DEC was not ready to jump into that yet. With some more money coming, Uh, hopefully with some additional personnel. There's a real uh, interest in seeing an investment in the open spaces of the park now that so many people have decided to come and enjoy them.
2: The pilot will run from May 1st through October 31st. A new website will begin taking reservations on April 15th. For the Legislative Gazette, I'm Pat Bradley.
0: that about does it for this week's show. We had help from the New York State Public Radio Network. For copies, call 1-800-323-9262. That's 1-800-323-9262. Ask for program number 2114, or just listen to our podcast on the web at wamc.org. And join us again next week at the same time for more news on New York State government and politics for the Legislative Gazette. I'm David Gustina.